when you are able to give them a sense of being a part of something bigger, it makes it feel that they are making that decision that you can almost give them reasons of why this is going to help them in the long term. The Business of Cleaning, the podcast that brings cleaning industry expertise straight to your ears. Our guest for the month is Jared Lohr, one of JM's account managers and also one of our attendees for ISSA Show 2022 this year. So if you got a chance to stop by the JM booth at ISSA, you might have had a chance to talk to Jared. Jared, of course, is one of the first people that interacts with the new customers to help set up their accounts, get them started, and give them tips and tricks to help them understand how the software can best fit their company. Today, I've brought him on to help talk about implementing a new process or system, as well as managing employee kickback. We know it's part of the process, but how much part of the process does it have to be? And why is it occurring? What can you do to help your team when you have a new solution, something to help your business as a whole? Hello, everyone. For this month's episode of the Business of Cleaning podcast, we're going to talk specifically about implementing new change processes, procedures, and specifically software solutions like JM. And we're going to talk about why change is hard, where that employee kickback comes from, and how you can make implementation a lot easier for you and your team. Um, I've already introduced Jared, but Jared, from your experience... Do you think business owners are super aware of how much kickback they're going to get or super aware of maybe the resistance to implementing a new system that they're going to get when they sign up for something like JM? I do think it varies business to business, but I think for the most part, uh, there are some cases where it can be where it falls through and sometimes where people are super aware of how their cleaner is going to handle both a new software altogether and the idea of just change in general. Um, Some people, they kind of find that out as they're trying to implement it, that some people are a little bit more resistant to change than others, but usually given a little bit more time and a little bit more effort towards giving them reasons why they're going to change and how it's going to help them, usually is a good way to kind of coax them to your side in understanding the change. I ask just because as we go to implement new change, it's really easy to get wrapped up in this idea of what could be, what you're trying to achieve and how to get there. And it's really easy to forget sometimes the human aspect. And so today I think we're talking a little bit about why that aspect is actually significantly more vital sometimes than the new process or procedure you're trying Um As you're probably aware, if you don't have employee buy-in, it doesn't work. Absolutely. So from what you said, it sounds like there's like two sides of it as well. There's the people who are aware that there's going to be kickback and the people that are maybe a little too optimistic, which are those people who are getting really excited about what could be. Specifically talking about the people who are aware I'm really curious, do you think those people who are aware are trying to work with their team to better implement, or if they're just anticipating resistance from the beginning and ready to strong arm their way through? Um, Again, again, it's a little bit of both, but I do think it's going to more sway towards that they are more aware and going to be, usually this is a team that's communicating more with their team that's going to be having more direct contact and not so pushing it off on somebody else. Uh, I typically find that those are the ones that are most aware of how their 
employees are going to feel about an upcoming change because they've already talked with them about it and seen their thoughts on it uh compared to the other way when you are kind of just hoping and being optimistic that those are the people that usually end up finding out that there's more people that are resilient in that in that stance okay cool that's my thought exactly is going in that direction that you're going to have those people who are probably the most aware and the most prepared and ready to work with their team are also the ones that have the trust and the communication and um, everything that they need in a healthy work culture and work environment built up ahead of time. And I'm sure you see that there's actually less resistance in those places. 100%. Usually those people, because they are so willing to communicate, usually there is a bond, a form of trust um, from employee to employer, and usually are willing to work with or are going to put that trust into they know what's best or they're going to at least give it a try and try to work with them. Right. And there was something key when you mentioned that too, is that they were communicating with them before they made the decision. Mm -hmm. Having that, I think, also gives the employee also a sense of being a part of a bigger decision and not being forced into something compared to when you make a decision without the conversation beforehand, it seems a little more abrupt and you're going to find that resistance is a little bit more abundant there. Right. Yeah. If you feel left out, you're a little like, well, I don't want to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, which which goes back to the point, why do you think people are so resistant to change anyways when it occurs? Why sometimes even when we know it's going to happen that we still kind of don't want to do it? I think because you fall into a rut of comfortability with what you're working with already. It's already easy because you know how it works. Comparison, when you're doing something new, there's going to be that hump of figuring out the quirks and how it's going to work specifically towards you and how you need to remember things to make things work. So even though it might be more abundant in a software, it's going to happen with any change you do. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to run something by you. I was digging online today, and I found an article from the Harvard Business Review that is more like in its own book. And one of the things that they mentioned is these personal compacts, or basically the this like uh, different levels of the bridge between your business entity and your managers, your upper-level managers, and your employees. And so there's three levels that they mentioned specifically in here, and there's a formal, psychological, and social. And so there are these questions that employees ask themselves and that they kind of list out on um, how they're affected. So what am I supposed to do for the organization? What help will I get to do the job? How and when will my performance be evaluated? Uh, feedback levels, what will I be paid, so your compensation, things like that. That's your formal. Those are what we're very, very familiar with. And as they mentioned, those are usually when you're doing change, what you see the most attention brought to. How is this going to affect their actual like job functions as defined in the job description and more formally? Um, they do get into more of the psychological and social aspects of employment. And those go into um, some of those reasons why when employees are asking these questions, why you might see some of this resistance to change pop up the most. In the psychological, these questions that they mention, how hard will I really have to work? So obviously, like change, especially implementing a new process or system, harder. 
you're going to have to work harder, even if it's for a short time, which can uh, kick up resistance, especially if they're not personally committed. Um, Recognition, financial reward, or other personal satisfaction will I get for my efforts? Do they have see any foreseeable benefit? And one of the things that this article also mentions is maybe they don't see how this could be a positive for their specific role, and they're really just trying to be good at their role. They're going to resist because they think it could hurt them in the long term or even the short term. And then that that ties into one of the last psychological questions they're going to ask. Are the rewards worth it? Is this actually going to benefit them? And these, a lot of times, you have to admit as a business leader, they're going to ask themselves personal and um, uh, what's the word? Selfish almost. Like it's it's about them when they're asking these questions because to be honest, if the business does not align with them, they're in the wrong place. And that's something you should be able to identify as a business leader, but they're going to identify as an employee for sure. Uh, if they're in the wrong place, that's what leads to your turnover. But some of these questions also lead to your turnover. And uh, it starts with resistance to change in this situation. So in the last, uh, the social, are my values similar to those of the others in the organization? What are the real rules that determine who gets what in this company? Um, and so whenever you see kind of a negative or unfavorable answer in the employee's mind to any one of these questions they're unconsciously asking, I feel like that's where you're going to come up to that resistance to change. And so just after hearing those, Jared, what do you what do you think of some of those questions? Would you say that you agree or you've seen any of that or would you disagree even with any of that? So I actually pretty well agree with most of that. And honestly, I think it kind of plays back to what we were saying earlier with communication with your employees. When you are able to give them a sense of being a part of something bigger, it makes it feel that they are making that decision that you can almost give them reasons of why this is going to help them in the long term and not so much thinking about, as you said, in their day-to-day job, it's going to hinder the performance. It's going to this, whatever you're making that change for is the idea that it's going to help their performance in the long run. So having that communication, that openness with your employees and giving that feedback and having that back and forth with them, I think can really help that psychological and that social dynamic of feeling like you are a part of it and you're not being forced into something. Right. And if you as a business leader are communicating, you're going to understand where they stand, what kinds of things that they're looking to get out of this relationship, where their alignment is, especially when you get to that social aspect. And that's that's a lot of that fit within the organization um, and that appreciation. And one of the comments they make within this article, moreover, it is the dimensions along which management's credibility once lost is most difficult to recover. And they're talking about the social right there. If these things, specifically uh, the organizational fit, the trust, the communication falls through and they can't answer these questions in their mind favorably, they're going to, one, kick their feet in, they're going to kick a fuss, they're going to drag the culture down with this, and they're ultimately going to leave. Um, Where you see that trust be broken a lot is when change is implemented without consent, communication, understanding, and an appreciation for that employee's job and their responsibilities. Um, And then getting buy-in before you commit, Um, which goes back straight to the beginning of the conversation where you said the people who are communicating before they make that decision understand where their team stands are the ones that have the least kickback from employees throughout the process and probably the most success long-term using a new process system 
or anything of that nature. And I also feel like with that so that communication as well, a even if you as a company are already aware that you're going to be making a decision on, or you have to make a change some way and somehow, even if you have employees that are making that kickback by simply hearing them out and making the effort, it goes miles in the terms of the eyes, of the employee, they see the effort and they see that they do matter and what they say also matters, even if it's not the final outcome that they were hoping for. Right. One of the questions as we go into this, I have for you, because we're going to be dealing with um, different sized organizations and businesses within this industry, is how do you, it seems pretty easy from a smaller team's perspective, you can actually just go up and talk to your entire team if you're a team of like a couple people up to like 10 people or even sometimes a little bit more than that. But if you are a large established organization, you're working at a university level, you're working, you're a larger company, um, you're a larger franchise or whatever you might be within the cleaning industry. How do you communicate? How do you really truly get the feel and pulse and uh, understanding of the majority, if not all of your team? while still being able to get through this process in a timely manner? This is where this is a harder question in the fact because of just simple, simply the scale of it, it makes the challenge of it. And this is where you have to kind of hope that you're making the right decisions and choosing the people that are in your right supervising roles and so on and so forth and hope they that you chose the people that are going to hold those same values and same work ethic and so on and so forth so that way they the people that are directly in contact with these everyday employees the ones that are doing the hard work are going to be the ones that can relay that same information that you're looking for that you would be asking them yourself Right. And I will actually kick back to our previous episode. And that is because Mike Sawchuck really talked about breaking down what is good leadership in your organization. And that includes identifying good leadership within your supervisors to make sure that you have that middle structure there to actually keep that communication flowing. Mm-hmm. So, all right. As far as there might be times where you know something is a good decision, but your employees aren't buying in. What do you feel needs to be done at that point? Are there different levels of communication that they need to continue to do? Uh, is it an approach that they're taking? Like, if you had that from uh, a new customer that just signed on to JM, what would be your advice? So this is where I don't think it's so much about what you're doing. You have to figure out what is the reason they are, what, where is the roadblock in their mind? Not so much in your, on your front, because that's the where you figure out the hump that you need to get over. And this is where you can do more questioning or not so much convincing, but explaining why their concern would be met with this software or find out why, how or how you could manage what you're doing to accommodate what they're asking for. Going off of getting to that root cause and that why, it goes back to those open lines of communication, but there are some businesses, they might be newer, some have just undergone changes in management, but that communication channel that they had in existence or they maybe don't even have one, it's not there. And so when they're trying to get to the root cause and they're just like, well, they won't tell me, what is the best way to really get to know your employees, to build up that trust and understanding within a short period of time so you can understand where they're kicking their heels in and why? 
so I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier with the article and the fact that there's those different hierarchies and the fact of formal, social, and the psychological. And I think there tends to be a very big barrier between your formal and your social because there's such a large gray area there that you don't know how to navigate it <clears throat> as easily as you might just if you stay in the formal, you stay in the social. So that's where typically I feel like when it comes to employee and employer, it just stays in one or the other. It's either you're very much in the social category and there's very little formal or there's very much a formal and very little social. So I think it's about uh, treating everybody the same as you would treat your friend or treat somebody else, given with that comes some struggles in the fact of your professional life. But I think that's how you can gain trust with people. It's by being very open and being very honest to the idea that we, at the end of the day, we are all people working together. And we're trying to have a better ourselves and better the outcome that we're looking for. So I think it is a matter of just building that trust in the human to human level, not so much employee to employer level. Right. And I can I can add to that from someone who has a background in HR um, and a background as just a team member on a team. One of the things when it comes to building trust and you talked about, you know, that friendship and that connectivity, I think that is great. You really do have to have some kind of emotional connection in this situation. We're not robots like I, I get tired of this. It's like a really old school way of doing business that we we've moved away from because it's toxic and because we spend so much time in this job doing this thing that sustains us. And so realizing that we're all human beings, that we all come to work sometimes just because we have to financially provide for ourselves. But we come in, we ask, well, how can I turn this into more than a chore, more than something to drag my feet on? So you have to have that emotional connection, but you also do have to have some of that formal development because I've had both managers. I've had the one that is way too formal and way all businessy and they're like intolerable because hard to read. They're going to make their decision regardless of what you want because that's the process, right? Um, but I've also had the manager that's too close and doesn't want to make any decisions because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And in business, you probably know as a business leader, you don't have time for that. You got to make no. a decision. You got to move <laughs> on. Um, and yeah, sometimes some feelings will be hurt because we can't totally be everybody's friend, but there should be a good relationship built up there. One of the ways that you can build that good relationship up and build that rapport is to grant trust first. So when you hire somebody to do a job, part of hiring them to do the job is to trust them to do it well once they're trained, to trust that that everything that you have given them responsibility for, that you're actually giving them responsibility for it. And that means when you're implementing a system like this, asking for their feedback in certain areas, as far as this functionality looks like this and, and looking at their processes and getting their feedback before sometimes you even start looking for systems, while you're looking for systems, while you're considering your final decision. I mean, think about how much of a two-way street that is. If your employee is the first one to say, I would love to have that, or I would love if we did that. I completely agree. And I even, I think by some standard, by giving that power and by giving that importance, it doesn't make it so much, as you said, like, it's just a place where you're going to work. It's just a place that you get a check. It By giving that ability to put in that input, it gives 
so much more meaning to the job, even if it is a lower level position, even if you're not a part of that, those supervisors, even if you're not the one ultimately making the yes or no decision, it gives you the, everybody the feeling of I have a say here and they do value what I have to say. And I think also even from the CEO level by asking things, what do I not understand about what we're doing here? What do, what am I missing by being out disconnected? What, what are the things that you do that I don't understand? So that way it, because I think everybody as an employee has worked in a place that might not have been in such a favorable place has always said, well, the bosses understand because they're not doing this work or they don't understand because they're sitting back there while I'm out here. It, it creates a barrier. And by asking that question of what do I not understand about what we're doing here on a day-to-day -day basis provides a eye-opening experience and why you might have that kickback or why or how you can even maneuver around it and fix those things. Right. And I'm going to dig into some brains, hopefully, of our listeners right here. Even if you started at the in this industry at the bottom and you worked your way up, even if you were once that cleaner at the ground level doing the job every day and now you're, you're the president or you're the VP or whatever job that you have, it does not mean that you understand what your frontline workers are doing right now. It does not mean that you understand every one of them and that especially as you grow – you're going to have many cultures within your company and you're going to have, it's going to happen. It's unavoidable. Yes, you want everybody to be unified and work together, but the bigger you grow, it's going to happen. You do not understand what it's like to do that job every day right now because you're not doing it. You're doing something else. We all have different skill sets and we're all doing different jobs within the company. It does not make one person more important or more valuable than others. But it does mean that you have to make another extra effort to communicate and bridge that gap when it comes to making a decision that impacts everyone. I think that's just because I know a lot of people in this industry, they have been, they have cleaned, they have clean toilets, they have clean floors, they have done the work. But if you're studying as a president right now and you are trying to make a decision with your entire team, your jobs are all going to be different. You still have to communicate and you can't make assumptions. While you may be making a decision that's going to help you <clears throat> run a business or make you more money, X, Y, and Z, you don't know how much work that's going to put on your workers or how that's going to affect their day to day. And that's usually where that kickback comes from. And like you said in the beginning, people tend to immediately start thinking about how is this going to affect my day to day work? Am I going to have to do more work and not be compensated for? Am I going to have to work harder now just because this person wanted to make more money? It creates that barrier. But if you have that open communication and understand, truly understand what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, and they truly feel that, there's going to be a lot more trust and a lot more willingness to work with you and make those changes. Exactly, exactly. And I don't want anybody who's listening to feel like you're, if you're experiencing this kickback, it's because you failed at these things. Because to be honest, this, this article that I thought was really cool starts off by talking about the Fortune 500 and Fortune 5000 and whatever companies that fail. That in fact, anytime they have change management or change implementation in their company, at least 50%, if not more of their efforts fail. Because guess what? Even if they're profitable, they still haven't figured it all out. It is something that takes continual effort. It is something that takes continual thought. But that willingness to put in the effort to get there, I think that is, is huge when it comes to actually running a successful business. I think employees also notice that 
continuous effort to, to change. They notice when you are doing it for a month or two, then stop doing it. And then when a big change is coming, you start doing it again. People recognize those patterns. So they recognize that you're also doing it consistently and you truly do care what they have to say. Because when you're only there for the big decisions, you're only there the months leading up to that decision, they're going to pick up on those things. Right. Right. You have, it's a mindset change. It's a, and you know what? This is, this is actually fantastic because you think of it as a mindset change or a way that you run how you do things from the upper levels. It's a change. And what do a lot of business leaders do when it comes to making a change to this type of process or this type of way of thinking or this type of way of interacting with their employees? They kick their feet in the sand. They're doing what they don't like that their employees do when they implement a new process. You're in the shoes. If you're kind of like, oh, that takes a lot of effort, or I don't know how I'm going to do it, or where do I start, point. That's where your employee is when you implement change. But now you're in control of it. You can make that change. You can make that effort to bridge that gap. And what that relationship looks like, it's going to be up to you and your team. But you can do it. 100%. I completely agree. So is there anything else or any other piece of advice that you have for a company that's looking at implementing a new process, that's looking at adapting a super cool system like janitorial manager that you would like to impart? Um, ultimately, I think as we've been talking about this entire time, your communication with your employees before doing this decision, even if you've decided you're going to make the decision, is going to be your biggest hurdle. As long as you can keep everything open and streamlined with everybody it's going to make them feel included and hopefully mitigate some of that resistance when it comes to making those changes and i'll just go back and uh remind people of the definition of communication before we finish up communication it's a two-way street between you and your team a lot of times good communication is when you're just the listener so keep that in mind if you're just telling people what's going on it's an announcement and you're not communicating so, all right. Well, thank you everybody for joining. Jared, thank you for coming on. We're going to go ahead and wrap up here. But if you're interested in learning more about this topic, let us know. Also, go ahead and look at last month's episode with Mike Sawchuk on why leadership affects employee retention and how you can build better leadership in your organization. It will greatly complement what we've talked about today. That's all I have. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks for a new episode.